We've been talking a lot about the grace of God. Last week was the, ex the great exchange. Today I want to talk to us about this mercy and the grace of God in how that we are to be uh, a display case for that mercy and grace. How that we become and are to be those uh, promoters and propagators and visuals of that mercy and grace of God to those around us and to the world. And so the subject this morning is living display case of God's mercy and grace. A life that's on display. Living life and living Christ. Not just living life, but living in Christ. And we will read from passage of scriptures this morning. And uh, uh, from 1 Timothy, this is it, yep. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. For, however, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Paul is referencing the before and the after. Before mercy, before grace, and then after mercy and after grace. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You are our epistle written in our hearts known and read by all men clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us written not with ink but by the spirit of the living God Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Woo! Amen. You didn't know you were that important, did you? 
You didn't know you were a bestseller. Yeah. In your world, you can be, and are instructed to be, an epistle that is a bestseller. People go ahead and want to buy into your life the grace and mercy that has been demonstrated there. Amen. You're familiar and have been acquainted with and have received mercy and grace. The word mercy in some aspects of the Hebrew word is the same word as womb. Same word as womb. Mercy is a place when a, where a person is protected and surrounded just like in the womb of the mother. A protected and surrounded, you know, hidden in the waters of mercy. It says that Paul Through his life, God put on a display, a display of his patience, his character, his mercy, and his grace, and of his transforming power. Paul's life. It's not only what grace is, but what grace is. Does As believers, we live in the realm of grace, the realm of grace, that recognition that we do not have the power to live on our own, that life, living power is in Christ in the mercy and the grace of God. When the scriptures open in Genesis chapter 1, we don't know what happened between verse 1 and 2. There seems to be a void. And in the process of that void, there becomes evident that there was a lot lacking the earth was without form and void of anything. There was, there was no order to it. There was darkness. And yet the Holy Spirit, it says, was hovering. He wasn't stationary, you know what I mean? But he was moving. Holy Spirit being the executive arm of the Almighty God. The Old Testament calls it the Spirit of Grace. And in that spirit of grace, we see that grace and mercy begins right in the onset of God's world for humanity. Both in the creation, in the way it was set up, and the beauty of it, and the provision of it, and the placement of it. And then we see the interrupted story, of course, of the enemy coming in. And trying to deter man from God's intended purpose. And you know the story of, of 
Adam and Eve, and yet in how God went ahead and moved in mercy and grace and provided them some clothing. Sometimes it can almost appear that grace is plan B. But I'm here to tell you this morning that grace and mercy is not plan B. It was plan A all of the time. Yes, it is a story, mercy and grace, of moving people from the domain of life, or excuse me, of law and death into grace and life. It says that he was slain from the foundation of the world, Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. And we know that when all of these precursors in the Old Testament, you know what I mean, uh, uh, that grace and mercy may not have been in bold print, but it was always there because grace is God's activity, God's life in the world and within you and I. Grace really is his master plan. It is not plan B. Amen? In Jesus Christ's coming, God is not trying to recover from a plan that's gone awry or gone wrong. It is the masterpiece plan just being completely and more fully fulfilled. For grace and mercy came by Jesus Christ. Praise his holy name. Amen? Hallelujah. Yes, every believer has a DNA of grace, of mercy. Each one of us this morning, if you're a believer, has experienced the mercy of God. Amen? You're experiencing the grace of God in your life, not only just in a one-time effect, but throughout your daily living, that activity of grace is there. I want to read for you this morning a passage of scripture that you're familiar with, and it's often called the prodigal son, but I think it's more fair to call it the parable of the mercy of the father. Amen? And let me read it for you, though you know it today. And see it in this capacity, in this realm. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Everything around him all of a sudden was not producing anymore. His, his life, his inside life, the life around him, you know, it was in bleak trouble. It was in chaos. It had no order. It was like the creation at the beginning. It was void. Now, everything somehow between verse 1 and verse 2 had fallen apart. Didn't know exactly all the details of it, but there it is, you know, the results of it. And that's how you get there. You know, is you don't know how you got there, but all of a sudden you wake up and that's where you're at, you know. And so you need, and I need mercy and grace. 
Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country and sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. This man's desperate and destitute. And when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and in uh, and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will rise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And when he rose and came to his father, but he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I mean, you talk about a perfect picture of mercy. All right, his father running to him. All right, let's go and find some grace here in him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring out the fatted calf, kill it and let us eat and be Mary, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and he began to be merry. Amen. He not only found forgiveness, excuse me, and acceptance, he found provision. The wonderful message and the wonderful story of mercy and grace. And then we move, of course, to the son that stayed home. And this guy's got a bad attitude. I mean, you know, uh, there's a lot of good things about him, but he's soured inside. He's really soured inside. And, and you know, he just can't appreciate God's mercy and grace that he's, that's being given to this wayward individual, you know. You know, somehow pride had just, uh, you know, uh, lifted him up to a pedestal that, that he couldn't see how far he had fallen. Okay, and yet, you know, the father, here's your situation, and he goes out to him and he talks to him, you know. Just, you know, I mean, you know, what a, what a picture, you know. I mean, some parents would say, get your butt in here. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? But God, the Father, he didn't do that. No. You know what I mean? He says, you know, he said, you know, son, listen, you've you got to get the right picture here. You know, I haven't forgotten all that you've done. I haven't, you know, I've been keeping record of everything that's, that you've been doing, you know, even in your bad attitude. All right? You know, but you've got to understand that, too, your brother here, you know what I mean? Uh, he was lost. I mean, he wasn't only lost, he was dead. You know? Yeah. But all of a sudden, he's, he's, he's been found. He's been found. I don't know. I've never been lost. I've been scared of getting lost, but I've never been lost. But I can't imagine just recently, you know, in the book, there was this, uh, what was it, uh, 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 just a young boy. I don't know if he, he came home from school, so he, must have, he was just in his first grades, but he got lost in a cornfield. How many know that if you've got a big cornfield, you could get lost in it pretty easily, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And he was out there for, you know, thank God for two or three days, you know, and a drone, you know, with uh, heat sensors was able to, able to find him, you know. Uh, and uh, so, but yeah, we, we, he gets lost in the maze and, 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 you know, we have to understand that that mercy and grace is that we've all been beneficiaries of it. Amen? Amen. Yeah. 
all of us have. And Paul writes that God's intended purpose is not just to save you, although that is an intended purpose, but is to make you a display case of his mercy and of his grace. You're before and you're after. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. The mercy and the grace of God. And we could go through the characters and in the many scriptures, you know, about mercy and grace this morning, but it would take a quite a bit of time and you would like for me to quit earlier than sooner, I am sure. So, <laughs> I don't know which one I will do, though, you know. <laughs> but it says that God's throne, the very foundation of God's throne is grace. Hebrews 4 and 16, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Amen? The foundation of it all. And we... As believers are to be likewise people of mercy and grace. When you heard the story again this morning of the prodigal, how many wayward have you ran after when you saw him coming? Now, or did you talk about their wasted life? Don't answer that question. Grace and peace be multiplied to you, the great domain and dominion of this mercy and grace your beforehand my beforehand in our after grace life understanding that so that we can likewise have mercy and be dispensers of grace to the extent, of course, that we are able. And by and large, you know what I mean? We are a light, we are a lamp. By and large, we are not the light. Jesus is the light. But that lamp is to reflect or point to the light. So our grace and our mercy is to reflect and point to Jesus who is grace and mercy. Amen? Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? Hallelujah. Yes, every area of a believer's life is to be a display of God's mercy and God's grace. As you stand as recipients of that mercy and grace, you in turn reflect that mercy 
and grace. Yes, a display case of God's mercy is what Paul said he was. Now, maybe your life is not as extreme as Paul's was. Maybe you weren't a persecutor. Maybe you were not someone, you know what I mean, that, that held the, the cloak of some man of God and watched him get stoned. But sin in any realm is death. Sin in any realm is debilitating and devastating. There's a story in 2 Samuel chapter 9 about a man named Mephibosheth. He is the the son of Jonathan, a friend of David. You know the story. And David wants to show mercy and grace. And so he searches and asks questions. It is discovered that there is one, but he's a cripple. He's a cripple. A fall had crippled him. An event had maimed him. And here he is. By and large, he had lost everything. His inability to function normally, to have a productive life, had been taken away because of the fall. But David, a king who is full of grace and full of mercy based upon his relationship with Jonathan he searches him out and he gives him this promise. I'm going to restore all of the land of Saul. Saul was the king. How many think he had quite a bit of land? And all that land had been lost. David said, I'm going to restore all that land. And I'm going to go ahead and arrange so that there are workers to go ahead and take care of the land and the crops that the land would produce. This is a picture of grace, friend, of mercy and grace. And so, he assigns a workforce. 
we studied the element of grace in our weaknesses. Grace is not only his saving and acceptance, but grace is a workforce. It's a workforce. By the power of grace, it overcomes the weakness. But then, he not only gives him the mercy, but he said, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Would I be stretching it today too far if I suggested you need some table settings for Mephibosheths? If we are, as Paul said, a showcase. A living Christ life. Even the world loves its friends. It's getting too quiet. I mean, you never were saying much, but... Love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you and despitefully use you. How many know the culture is totally out of whack? I mean, they're going to hang their enemies. You spit on me and I'm going to spit on you. The grace and mercy has boundaries. Boundaries of how we act and how we react. The Apostle Paul wrote about the measure of grace. He talked about the height of grace and how that grace towers over our sins. How many know it's wonderful to receive mercy and grace? But as we have received so are we to give. Yeah. Give that mercy. Give that grace. Don't just enjoy your life, share your life. 
There's the length of grace from everlasting to everlasting. There's the width of God's grace as far as the east is from the west. And there is the depth of grace, a grace that reaches into the grave of sin and lifts us to live again. Now, I know that Jesus Christ is the ultimate. But even as the Father has sent me into the world, so send I you. Why did he come? So that mercy and grace would have bold letters in society. In the Old Testament, you know, it was seemingly always on the back page or hidden amongst all that was taking place. It was there, but you had to look for it. But when Jesus steps from his throne of grace to find vessels and people that can be an earthly throne of grace. A showcase of God's grace. Paul writes and says, the one way to showcase grace and mercy is in your speech. In your conversation. How can I do a better job of you know, letting this mercy and grace that's so impacted and so has been so uh, uh, life-giving by your speech, by your conduct, by your love. Because love is, of course, the chief first of all graces. Paul said that with all the greatest abilities in the world, if there is not, you know, a true element of love, boy, it's really overbearing. Huh? Your and my righteous proclamations are overbearing if we don't do it because we love them. Because we have experienced his mercy and his grace. And that old song that said there, as he watched this uh, 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 sinner, said, there go you and I, except for God's grace. Amen. Now, please, don't overweight yourself with this. Let it be an illuminating in your world, in your contact, in the place of your influence. 
Yes. This spirit of grace, of mercy, according to Acts chapter 4, listen. What it does, it finds its expression. Number one, in the way we treat people. Acts chapter 4. You read that account. It says great grace was upon them. And boy, were they getting along. There was kindness. There was togetherness. There was unity. Yes. Grace. Also, according to Acts chapter 4, gives us a right perspective on ownership. Neither did any of them say that what they had was their own. The grace of God. And then... Grace promotes evangelism. Acts chapter 4. Yes. The wonderfulness of God's grace. And when Jesus said, let your light so shine among men. Did you know that that light or the light bulbs is mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. So now, if you are going to be a showcase of mercy and grace, then people don't have to earn it. They don't have to earn it. It's given. Because we know that the general nucleus and core that we always use for grace is unmerited favor. They don't have to measure up. No. But there is a precursor for them to receive it, not for you to give it. And that is that he gives grace to the humble. Those that recognize their helplessness. Paul. He wasn't. How can I put it? He used his past as a platform. Of before grace. To be able to tell about after grace. 
He was not boasting in the sin-filled, you know, life that he had before. He was simply showing the difference between before grace and after grace. Now, however that might play out in your world and in your life, I can't tell you that. How it, it might communicate to those that within your world. I, I can tell you the story about my dad. My dad, before he came to the, the Lord, he, he was a tough man. I wasn't there when he was a tough man. I was only there when he was saved, but I heard the story. And <clears throat> when he got saved, there were some things that he did before grace that he didn't do after grace. Is that okay? Come on, church. <laughs> grace does not make you irresponsible. Grace makes you more responsible. Sure. And when he was approached to go ahead and continue his lifestyle that he lived before grace or Christ, and he said, no, I don't do that anymore. And then he told the story. Before and after grace. Paul used to murder, but after grace he didn't murder anymore. When he didn't just, he, before he was not only spiritually taking people's lives, he was physically taking people's lives. But after he got grace, he didn't take people's natural lives and he didn't damage people's spiritual lives. It's called the kindness of God. It's called the kindness of God. None of you are guilty of being unkind. Don't get me wrong. People don't earn grace. As a showcase of God's grace and God's mercy, I mentioned a couple of things. And how can we improve our display case? That ultimately is to reflect God's mercy and God's grace. Because you are an epistle. The epistle of John. It's a letter. 
It's a living print. I believe that the word still must become flesh. I do. The word became flesh. We know that was Jesus Christ. But we're born again. Not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. The word of God, which lives and abides forever. The word becoming flesh. Don't just say I love you. Put some flesh in it. Put some flesh in it. Colossians chapter 3 says you need to make allowances for other people's faults. Forgive anyone that offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. If someone did something to you yesterday, or let's do it like if somebody did something to you on Monday, you let it go by Monday night. And don't get up in the morning <laughs> still carrying it. Because his mercies are new every morning. And you and I's mercy should be new every morning. So I'm going to give the Lord a praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, you know what, church? This really is a feel-good message. Living mercy and grace is really does feel good. It feels good to you, and it feels good to those, you know what I mean, that you distribute it to. Help the hurting. We don't want to stand on the sidelines when your teammate is wounded. You want to step forward. And bandage the weary and heal, you know, the healing balm of God's mercy. Romans 12, 12, 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Oh, yes. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan. We see the principle of mercy and grace there. Remember? Acts 4, chapter 4. People, possessions, and evangelism. The Good Samaritan did all three of those. People used his possessions 
and became an evangelist. It not only reaches to the present situation, he reached into the future. They might incur a debt tomorrow, <laughs> right? Yeah. They might incur a debt tomorrow, but my mercy and my grace is willing to pay that debt. Now, you don't, you can't pay the debt for their sin, don't get me wrong. But you and I have a treasure chest of mercy and grace. How about us spending some of it? <laughs> Amen? How about spending some of it? Because it's refreshed every day. As my musicians come this morning, another way that you can show mercy and grace, and that is to to go ahead and just encourage and praise. How? Paul said, I always thank my God for you. I don't know the conditions of those yous. But he went ahead and said, I'm always thanking God for you. To be a display case of God's mercy and grace, we need to learn to love the lonely and the loony. I'm afraid so much of Christianity is that we, we want to read their resume first before we decide if they get to have mercy and grace from us. You know what I mean? Will I benefit from the mercy and the grace? Will they take advantage of my mercy and grace? Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. You know that world out there that, that I mean, they're, you know. Ones that are lost and the ones that just, you know, turn their back on him. He's already died for them. Mercy and grace, you know, is not offered with a guaranteed reciprocation. No. It's offered because it has received mercy.
and grace. Now, I don't want everybody to answer at once, but how many of you ever sinned in your life? <laughs> On maybe this past week. God didn't disclose it, did he? He didn't go around telling somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. What do you know what I love about that whole thing, too, is, number one, that nobody, nobody qualifies to cast stones. Nobody qualifies to cast stones. But there stood one that asked the question who had the right to cast a stone. Bible says he was sinless. Yet he picked up no stone. And he offered that mercy, that grace. Now it doesn't tell us where she went after that. But I'm sure she was greatly impacted. Yes, as you stand with me this morning. Last but not least, another word that the Lord gave to me and because of his mercy and grace, he says, you need to stop stressing over your circumstances. Your circumstances. Look beyond them. See the character, the mercy and the grace of God. Focus on God's love. Understand that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that stepped in each situation and plight with Adam and Eve, they stepped in. Did you know that it was mercy and grace that built an ark? It built an ark. So God says, your peace doesn't come from finding a lake with no storms. It comes from having Jesus in your boat. Amen. If you're looking for a lake with no waves, Good luck. But with Jesus in the boat, there is no danger of it going down. He said, start seeing your problems as merely turbulence on the way to his destination for your life. 
that's maturity. I'll grant you that. That's growing up. Paul said, you know, I'm cast down, maybe perplexed, may have all these things. But God always gets me up. It's not enough for us to love each other. We gotta love the sinner. We gotta love the sinner. Gotta love the sinner. I'm challenged and have been challenged. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace and truth has to come by something and someone. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. What is the gospel? mercy and grace. Hallelujah. There's a lot that follows, but not without mercy and grace. You and I are a letter, a display case of God to those individuals of His mercy. As you have received mercy, give mercy. As you receive grace, give grace. Go with God, because God's dependent on you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.